Blog Talk Radio. Our show is for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed by the host and guest on this show are not necessarily those of TPPC.TV's web TV show, radio show, blog, or its sponsors. Don't use the medical information obtained here as a substitute for a visit to your vet. If you think your pet is sick, get help immediately. Welcome to Pets Teachers So Much Radio with your hosts, stars of TPPC TV, Robin and Joseph Everett. Hello, everyone, and woofy woo. Everett and Everett here. I am Robin Everett. And I'm Joseph Everett. Welcome to our show, Pets Teachers So Much. We are animal advocates, pet lifestyle experts, and pet trendologists, bringing you the latest pet news and celebrity gossip. As always, we have great content. It's the most up-to-date info for you and your pet's health and safety. Brought to you in a very real, raw, gritty, not sugar-coated format. Today on our show, Pets Teach Us So Much, we have one of our favorite guests, Dr. Patrick Mahaney. And he's going to talk to us about three very important things. One is the Canine Lymphoma Education Awareness and Research Foundation, the next is he's going to give us five top picks for reads for this chilly winter month. And finally, we are going to talk about some celebrity pet gossip that is, I, I don't want to give it away, but let me tell you something. I am I am reeling about the topic, is all I can say. And, tons, and of course, we have tons of current news stories for dog lovers and for cat lovers and for duck lovers. Duck lovers. Why, that's just quackers. We have a groovy group on Facebook. That's just corny. Sorry. <laughs> oh, there's lumps in the gravy. <laughs> we have a groovy group on Facebook, the TPPC.TV Pet Lover Crew. Check us out and join in the fun. Hello, Drew. Hello, Drew. You know, with that Pet Lover Crew, you can post your pics, scoop, and events, and you and your pets can hang out with the coolest pets on the net. That's right. Oh, you do it. Send an inquiry to info at tppc.tv, and please check out our blog and like us, too. If you would like to be on our show, that is. Now, we have a lot to talk about. First of, first of all, welcome Jay Drew in the chat room. Happy New Year to you. Good to see you. Year of Hap. Year of Hap. Now, listen, we are prepping here for the biggest mega event of the year that happens in February, the Super Pet Expo at Edison, New Jersey. Now, it's pretty big. It's very big. It's we're doing the pet fashion show on Saturday. Uh this it's the 6th, 7th, and 8th. Is that how the weekend hits? It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're doing the pet fashion show on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Then the next day, Sunday, we're doing a live show. We're going to do tape to broadcast. Yes. But we're doing a stage show. Yes. We're going to talk to uh, fashion designer uh, Karen Varley from PJNY, uh, who's also sponsoring the fashion show. And yes. let me tell you, 
she showed us a sneak peek <laughs> of some of the fashions. Uh, they're not released to the public yet, but it's going to be uh, unveiled on the red carpet. Terrific. <laughs> and uh, on the uh, radio show on Sunday, we're also going to be talking to Kelly Corliss Simonetti, who runs the Antler Ridge Rescue. She's going to bring a porcupine. And she's going to tell us all about the porcupine. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Kids with balloons stay away (laughs) from the porcupine. I repeat, kids with balloons stay away from the porcupine. You there. Step away from the porcupine. (laughs) And, um, you know, they rescue all kind of animals. They are state certified for wild animals. Mm -hmm. And if you follow follow Antler Ridge Rescue or Antler Ridge Sanctuary on Facebook... You absolutely should, because you see all these cool pictures, like Kelly holding a bear. Like, I mean, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> Kelly. So Kelly sent me an email. She said, uh, what time is the fashion show again? The goat wants to know. <laughs> because last year, she brought a goat to the fashion show. And the goat did model. I think he oh, was. Yeah. He had a little decorations uh, on for Valentine's Day. Yeah. But here's the kicker. The most docile. Cutest. Cutest. Uh, they listen better than kids. He's on a leash. I mean, unbelievable. And she said, do I even need to tell you how many people ask me what kind of dog this is? <laughs> <laughs> it has horns. The goat has, like, horns. It's a real, like, you know, cloven hoof, the whole thing. It's a babbard. A babbard? Yeah, like a shepherd, the oh. babbard. <laughs> I can't. I can't associate. We goats. Do goats like kind of bad? They kind of bad. But I'll tell you something. Drew sent us a funny video uh, quite some time ago. Goats make the funkiest noises, and sometimes like they make these human sounds like human screams. They do. And and I I was getting confused with the sheep and the goat, but no, the goats do. They do kind of. They do the bad a little bit. My grandma had one on a farm. Little goaty. And did they, like, shave it and stuff? No, this goat was more of a pet, you know. It wasn't, like, for milk or anything or cheese. It was uh-huh. just like a... He's just just a hang. I think some goats are fuzzy, like, um, like sheep. And some goats have, like, more silky hair, like... Yeah. It, yeah. And my one neighbor had a goat, Daisy. The poor thing got attacked by a bear. Oh! Up by us when I was living up in uh, Sussex, but... Uh, really? Yeah, true story. They wow! Because it, it attacked it. Did they find it? Or well, they, they first they it? thought it was it was a wild pack of dogs. The 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 local police sergeant or lieutenant, whoever the hell he was, oh, it's a pack of dogs running around. A pack of dogs running around, and and the neighbor and I looked, and you can see on the throat, you see the you see the claw the claw marks, you see the paw marks. Did he eat it? He took the head off it. Well, knocked oh, the head off and killed it. I guess it got you know, got spooked or whatever. They didn't eat it yet, but, you know, anyway, make a long story short, after the game warden came and everything like that and pointed out the claw mark to the to the uh, police officer, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, no. Wow. It wasn't a pack of dogs. Yeah, it was it's a probably bear. black bear, because it's known for black bears up there. Holy crap. Hey, you know what? It's it's nature, unfortunately. It is. It's the way you it is. You build houses on places where the bear and everything used to be, and yep. then they go out looking. You got a, you know, a goat, you know, nothing against you know, having to go it as a pet, but you have, you know, some prey and a little chicken wire fence, mm-hmm. and here comes the hungry bear, you know. Yeah. 
One and one makes, you know, a snack or dinner or something. And, you know, it really, it could have been a pack of dogs. It, it could have, have, it could I, have been it, it, because we've had the problem up there. There's mm-hmm. wild dogs running around back in the quarry and stuff. But and, I'm sorry, go ahead. But this particular time it was not. Weren't you telling me this week about a coyote that was in New York City? Coyote? I think there was a New York City in the Queens they caught him. And they had him in one of those, um, what do you call the pole with the uh, yeah, that's, a snatch, a, sna- a snare? A, a snare. snare. Yeah, they had, him, they had him secured in a snare. And he was a big coyote. Oh, yeah, they're big. No, that's when was, you know, sometimes you see him a little small. This mm-hmm. one was from New York City. You're right. a big coyote. <laughs> now, I know they got big alligators in the sewer, but coyotes too. And big gators in Florida, Drew. So this is yeah. why I live in Florida. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that's, why our, that's why our house is almost done. <laughs> and Drew uh, said, I could deal with me gators. Well, we had a special gator story for you yes, today, Drew. Drew. It's a good one. Um. But, yeah, so we're all excited about Super Pet. Now, also, if you're a fashionista, you're going to want to stop by our booth. Number 526, we have beautiful uh, dog carriers, uh, dog luggage, unisex purses. Or a cat carrier. Or a cat carrier. Or cat luggage. Yep. Ferret carrier. Absolutely. Ferret luggage. Any any little Porcupine carrier. A porcupine (laughs) luggage. I get your point. Duck carrier. A duck luggage. Well, you're clatters. (laughs) <laughs> but um whatever floats your duck we have it <laughs> i'm down with that <laughs> isn't that a goose should i goose you to make sure you got the right feathers <sighs> we're gonna get so shut off <laughs> you said go duck off <laughs> so many duck jokes um, so, uh, the other thing is we have beautiful gift, uh, packages, like, uh, all different price range, like 20 to $35 of a beautiful, uh, gift for, uh, dog lovers. That's yeah. specifically made in gold. Yeah, They're beautiful <clears throat> gifts. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely going to want to check that out. And also for the, uh, for the pet fashion show this year, we have amped up the prizes. It's off the chart. Oh, the prizes are off. The charts. About five hundred dollars worth of prizes. Ooh, we have to. I mean, we have to take care of something too. For first, second, and third place. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Um. And uh, so it's really going to be a good time. We wish you were up here with us, Drew. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to go to New Jersey in February? That's all I could say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. It usually snows. The way. weather is fantastic <laughs> in New Jersey in February. <laughs> Fabulous. Oh, and also I wanted to mention that uh, Terry Thorsteinson, Thorsteinson, I'm trying, Thorsen, Thor and Thorsen, it was the email that we got, Coco the Couture Cat's mom, yeah, I saw the email, I think it's Thorsen, yeah, thank you, I'm having a senior moment, I can't help it, Um, but she's going to be there, and you know, she pushes uh, Coco, who is now uh, has a book about, there's a book about Coco, which they'll be selling at our booth as well. Um, she pushes uh, Coco in a pink cat alack. So she'll be there as well. So we have to go to break, Joey. And when we get back, we just, we just have so much to talk about. I, I just can't stand it. We'll be right back.
teaches so much. Have you ever wanted to have an amazing photo taken of your pet? Your pet is the most treasured companion, so why not have a photo of them? Ariel Star Productions can help you. Go to www.tazphoto.com. That's www.tazphoto.com to see the many pet photos we have taken through the years. That's www.tazphoto.com. And make sure when you email or call us to mention hearing about us from Robin at TPPC. What about Joe? <laughs> and Joe! Yeah, that was, I guess we had a hot mic, huh? We had, yeah, we had a hot, uh, we had a hot mic, honey, I, I, honey, I, I, bunny. Um, so Cynthia Dunn uh, was the uh, is the photographer who's going to be taking pictures at Super Pet Expo as well, and that's her company. So we are so excited yes, to work are. with her. She does really, really, really nice photos, pet photos. Yes. And you know, it takes a special pet person to take a nice pet photo. Yes. Especially with cats. And yeah. she does. I don't know how she gets the cats to pose and do what they do, but she must speak the cat. Um, the catwalk. Um, the catwalk. No. Uh, Drew saying I would have enjoyed going to the show. And you only write one thing big, Drew, and then it gets back to small print. You can see the small print. You know, you got to shout at this world. So listen, we got to talk about some articles be- before we bring Dr. Uh, Pat on. Uh, we want to talk about Kimberly Gauthier uh, from Keep the Tail Wagging. She wrote an article about the vaccination debate, and this is kind of interesting. There was an article in Dogs Naturally magazine entitled Five Things That Vets Tell You That Aren't the Truth. And she said, wow, that was very compelling. So she read it. Whoa. And this caused a firestorm. Um, all Everybody's reactions to this uh, article. She said shortly after she read the article, she saw that Creature Clinic had shared a response to the article. Needless to say, the author was not happy with the uh, Dogs Naturally magazine stance on vaccinations. The statement that veterinarians are are telling the truth and used her blog to share her thoughts. She said Creature Clinic's blog post stirred up Facebook for a day with a back and forth between dog lovers uh, that were interesting to follow because there were so many points given. Dog enthusiasts wrote an equally passionate response that provided dog owners with action items to help them build good relationships with their best. She said at one time she found herself in four different discussions online. She said she walked away with two reminders. One, that dog owners are passionate about their pets despite which side of the vaccination argument you fall on. She said, we love our pets and we want to do what we think is best. She said, there's a lot to learn about vaccinations and dog nutrition and dog health. And the same goes for cats. And um, that's my that's, that's oh, our definitely. input there. Um, and if she's unwilling to hear another's point of view, then, then that's where you stop learning. That's the point where you stop learning. So uh, in closing, she said that no dogs are the same and that... Um, you know, it's just not feasible to know what is right for every single dog. But we advocate, so we always have to keep learning. It's like being a human. Every patient is different, and not every med is for the same patient. Thank you, And the same thing happens to your furry ones. Yeah, I mean... It depends on the condition, the health, underlying health conditions, you know, 
uh, known allergies. It's just so much. Mm-hmm. You know, metabolics. There's a, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, of, a lot involved. And we always talk about the GMOs and the fact that if you look at all the kids that have food allergies now, and all the pets that have food allergies, come on, what's going on? Please. And cancer. I never had a food allergy in my life, but what did we yep. prove it to? That's true. It was box GMOs. That's true. I stayed away from them. I stopped, stopped uh, indulging in them, and I haven't had a problem since. Yeah. It's a uh, little scary, to be honest with you. Please. Because, you know, it's, it's so... Those conversations are so segmented to a certain population, like people who are really into health, it seems. You know, they'll, they'll go and they'll find it. It's so, Believe it or not, we are, too. We weren't really doing things bad. We thought that we were picking this product that was just something like a like like a rice patty. Let's just say like a rice patty, and it turned out to be a GMO loaded, you know. Yeah, you could it could be on foreign natural. body crap box of crap. You know, I just, <laughs> I'm trying to stay away crap from crap box of crap. Yeah, what I'm trying is. to stay away from crappy. The, the name of the product because they have their 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 crappy. <laughs> now their corporate attorneys have a lot more money than I do, and I don't want to deal with any more lawsuits. Drew, we but, know you're into it. Drew's saying, "Ah, oh, GMOs," because I, this is just becoming a mainstream right. discussion now. Here, in between everything else, it was an in between snack with my veggies, my fruits, and everything else. Here, I thought this dry rice little thing that I was eating was something crunchy to have with my yogurt and everything, and it turned out to be. The 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 main source of my onset of an allergy. And you know, when you talk about yogurts and dairy, there's so much controversy there too. And that's too. And this is, you know, I don't even get into that because it wasn't a lot of that either. It was just it was just something that just just triggered after all these years. I was yep. never allergic to any type of food. Yep. yep. You know, proved negative in, in blood tests and thing like that. Then to find out that it was the product. Yep. Yep, and things that you wouldn't have thought about. And a product that was sold in a health food store. Well, it could be just because it says it's natural doesn't mean it's GMO. Exactly, so but they were surprised too. They, you know, the store did, you know, take it off their shelf, and they understood, and they said they were, they were, I guess I would say bamboozled just like I was. Yeah. Yep. But again, I'm going to stay away from the brand, and and there we have it. Not mentioning any names. No emails, no letters. Drew's saying, say no to GMO. GMO, you must go. You got that right, Drew. So we see Dr. Pat circling the airport, honey. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we have a lot to cover with Dr. Pat tonight. We'll be right back. The sun goes down. Work is done. After the evening news. The time comes round. Every night. Patrick, if you don't know who he is already. Dr. Patrick Mahaney is a veterinarian and certified veterinary acupuncturist providing services to Los Angeles-based clients 
both on a house call and in-clinic basis. Dr. Mahaney's unique approach, integrating Eastern and Western medicine medical perspectives, has evolved into a concierge house call practice. California Pet Acupuncture and Wellness, CPAW, Inc. Additionally, Dr. Mahaney offers holistic treatment for canine and feline cancer patients at a veterinary cancer group in Culver City, California. Dr. Pat's been on TV, on uh, MSNBC. You might know him from My Cat from Hell on Animal Planet, or Natural Companions on the Vieira Network, or Career Day from Entertainment Studios. We are so happy to welcome back Dr. Pat. How are you, Dr. Pat? Hey, guys. I am great. It is a hey. really good start to the year so far. We're really busy helping a lot of dogs and cats and you know, just uh, doing our best to get through the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at least you can have the rewarding part of your job that you can help dogs and cats where the majority of us shuffle paper sometimes. You know, all the people out there listening say, I'm slinging burgers and I hate people, but thank goodness for our pets. So we want to start with the Canine Lymphoma Education Awareness and Research Foundation, or the CLEAR Foundation. You've been doing some work there. Tell us what the purpose of that organization is. Well, um, it's a relatively new foundation, uh, the Canine Lymphoma Education Awareness and Research Foundation, was founded by a guy named Terry um, Terry Simmons, who is a breeder of Nova Scotia duck tolling retrievers, which if you don't know what they look like, they kind of look like a smaller gold retriever with white spots um, on the underside and sometimes on the feet. And he, unfortunately, was, um, he, like many of us, has, uh, has had pets that have had cancer, especially lymphoma, and he was so you know, devastated by the effects of the disease on his dog and on him, pers- on him personally that he decided to start a foundation to help to raise awareness of cancer in pets and what we can do in terms of options for treatment and also prevention. And so that actually led over time to him working with an L.A.-based producer to create um, the idea of, of a documentary about canine cancer diagnosis, treatment prevention that uh, Cardiff and I and Phil actually contributed to, which is called my friend changing the journey. I'd love to have you guys see it at some point. Yeah. I, where can we see that, actually? Well, um, there was, a, a like, a premiere documentary screening here right around Halloween, and um, I can send you guys a link to see it as long as you don't share it with anybody else because right now the documentary is still being shopped around to potentially be purchased, and it, uh, it just appeared in, I think, in – an L.A.-based uh, um, awards, like the movie up-and-coming awards type of thing, and it yeah, won yeah. Best Documentary, so it's getting some good legwork there. For sure, Doctor. We'll make sure that's ours only. And everybody out there, you will <laughs> just have to wait. Gosh darn it. You can't see it. But there is, a, but, there is a preview, though, um, and I'll, I'll send you guys the preview link that can go up there, which gives you, like, the first probably, you know, like, like you're seeing a movie preview, it gives you a couple minutes of um, of the topics, which actually feature me as veterinarian talking about my own dog having cancer in the process went through with treatment, and then um, additionally features the perspectives of uh, Dr. Sue Ettinger, who is a very renowned cancer veterinarian from New York, and Dr. Greg Ogilvy, who similarly similarly is a cancer veterinarian from uh, San Diego. So we have a couple different perspectives from vets, but then also uh, owners who are going through the process of their pets getting diagnosed and treated. 
for cancer and just kind of you know, talking about the bond that we have with our animals and how cancer affects people, it affects pets, and what we can do to hopefully prevent it from happening in the future. And, you know, we were talking about that before you came on the air, um, and it's funny you mentioned, what was the dog? A duck? Some kind of a duck retriever? <laughs> Nova Scotia Duck Tolling Retriever. <laughs> <laughs> we did, well, I don't know, we just talked about ducks for about 10 minutes and cracked all kind of uh, duck jokes, so uh, what are the chances that you're going to talk about a duck retriever? But anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we were talking about the prevalence of cancer in canines and felines and um what can an average person average pet owner do to try to reduce the likelihood of this happening to their pet you know their pet developing cancer yeah it's a really scary thing and unfortunately there's no 100 percent way we can prevent it but it's always best to try to lead as toxin-free of a lifestyle as possible and that means really closely looking at what's going into and onto our pets' bodies on a day-to-week-to-month basis. So really focusing on the quality of ingredients that go into pet foods. Unfortunately, most commercially available pet foods that are kibble-based and, and even some canned are, um, are made with ingredients that are considered to be feed-grade, meaning that they are lower quality than what we humans eat and therefore potentially have a higher and likelihood of including toxins, and, and especially mold-based toxins like aflatoxin, which itself is carcinogenic. So we always want to have our pets eat foods that look very much like the foods that we eat that are made with ingredients that are human-grade and also not um, cooked to like a 450-degree temperature, which can chemically change certain aspects of, of foodstuffs and even potentially turn them carcinogenic. So, number one, having food be as food and water be as clean as pure and pure as possible. But number two, really considering like the reasons why we are providing our pets with immunizations or vaccinations. They're they're very important during puppy and kittenhood, but often a little bit less so as pets age. And often they are given when pets don't even necessarily need to have them boosted again, meaning they have plenty of immunity from their previous vaccinations that they've had one, three, five, sometimes even longer years ago. So it's always a better plan to do um, antibody testing, which is a blood test and see what the pet's current level of antibodies towards a particular infectious agent is instead of just blindly immunizing because a due date has come. Um, I've seen, I work with many cancer patients and many patients that have immune system diseases and very often there's this one common thread where like year after year after year, they're receiving vaccines that they may or may not need. And I can't say that those are causing cancer, but they're creating immune system stimulation that could be causing cells to change. And so be very, very judicious with your, your vaccination protocols. Um, and then day-to-day health, too, like maintaining a lean body condition puts less stress on the body. With less stress, there's less inflammation. And it's been proven that inflammation can cause genes to change and potentially come, can't become cancerous. So the minimal day-to-day stress we can put on our bodies is really important, too. That's all really important information. And the the thing that really strikes us when you're talking about um, the vaccinations, we talked a little bit about that as well before you came on the air with the article that Kimberly Gauthier wrote, and that we really need to understand why our pets are getting vaccinated and the, you know the reasons behind it. But if you take all of that science out of it, and like Joe and I always talk about when we were kids, the dog got a rabies shot at the at right. the firehouse, 
And that's the only <laughs> thing the dog was vaccinated for. I'm not saying that that's good or bad because, of course, there's so many good vaccines that have been developed for pets since then. But we didn't have half the cancer. There was a kid. No, dogs didn't get cancer. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Right. It's just weird. Well, anyway. it does seem as though this day dogs and cats are being diagnosed more frequently with, with cancer, and it's not clear why that's happening. Is it because there's more awareness among owners, and so they're actually bringing the pet to the veterinarian on a regular basis for wellness, wellness exams, and you happen to catch that lump, or is that lump actually being tested and you're achieving the actual diagnosis of cancer? It's not yet clear, but I, I think you bring up a really good point, like, Pets um, are are having more done now, and sometimes that can be to their detriment, even though it's pretty accepted in the industry to keep on vaccinating and vaccinating and vaccinating. But um, I think that, like, we as an industry need to change and really try to get a little – change our messaging so that clients probably better understand that, yes, vaccines are important during puppy and kittenhood, but as a pet gets older, we should think about not just giving that vaccine because it's due. Let's instead test the blood to see – and also think about what's the pet's lifestyle now. If you, if you have a 100% indoor cat, that cat really doesn't need to be vaccinated with the frequency that an indoor-outdoor cat would be. Because if the lifestyle is drinking and out all night, it's totally right. unacceptable. You really have to watch what your pets are doing. So right. moving along, doctor, um, you wrote a fabulous article about uh, five literary picks for uh, pet MDs. Uh, where the article appeared. Now, this time of year, everybody wants to curl up with a good book. So tell us what some <laughs> of your picks are. Well, um, it's, what I love about the, is the fact that since I do some media, I often get um, pitches from different um, PR companies wanting me to review a book. or I'm, I'm made Like you guys, I'm sure you, you become aware that things are out yeah. there. And yep. so you're like you're kind of intrigued by them, and um, so when I get sent these pitches, if it's something I think I'll actually read, I'll ask for a copy of it. And one of the ones that I thought was really really fun was um, Dean Koontz, who of course many of us know from his suspense and his science fiction novels like Odd Thomas and Watchers. Uh, we we I wasn't really expecting suddenly there to be this book of, um, about his dog Anna and his dog Anna being like the dear Abby of the dog world and fielding questions from other dogs. And so it's a really funny book with very cute photos and thought bubbles of dogs, you know, asking questions and Anna answering. So that's one of my favorites. And I got to interview him, actually, Dean Koontz, for my Pet Liberty News column on Pet360, where he talked about his his dog Anna and why she's an expert and things like that. But then also um, the book Catification by Jackson Galaxy from My Cat from Hell and also Kate uh, Benjamin from House Panther, which is a... Arizona-based company that makes amazing products to catify your house, meaning make your house more feline-friendly so that you can have a better relationship with your cat instead of, like, just having the one scratching post that's the same height as your couch and your cat getting confused and scratching the couch. Instead, you can make a whole, like, kitty condo made with scratching post material and shelves that the cat can get on and just all sorts of great lifestyle enhancements. And so it really breaks down how you as an owner can work to um, make your cat a little, your house a little bit more cat friendly so that your cat can, can have a good time in the house and be safe instead of having you like open the door and letting the cat run out because you're so frustrated with the cat's behavior. So that's certainly one of my favorites too. And then of course, I've got to give a shout out to Jane Lynch, who's one of my favorite people, a really great client. Uh, a friend as well, and a children's book that she did this year, the 
Marlene, Marlene, Queen of Mean, which talks about the effects of bullying on kids and kind of guides kids on how to go through the process of dealing with uh, somebody who might be bullying. And it just gives some good life lessons for really people of all ages. So I'd have to say those are my top three of those uh, six picks that I gave. That's cool. And it, that's so important. I mean, every it seems like once a week we hear a story about somebody being bullied, somebody's grandkids or kids having problems in school. You see it all over the TV. You see kids committing suicide. So, I mean, this, I absolutely think that's very cool. And um, the other two uh, books, uh, Catification, we actually interviewed Jackson Galaxy. Very cool Good. guy. So that's mm-hmm. very cool. Now, let me ask you this. Was Dean Coons, was he what you expected? Well, I didn't meet him nor speak with him personally. It was just okay. the article where I, I submitted questions with him. Okay, um, okay. I don't, I don't know him personally. He he kind of looks like somebody who'd be a science fiction writer. He looks like a very intellectual guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> he spends a lot of time writing, I'm sure. <laughs> that's like the nicest way I can put it. Um, but he, but the, it was very, it was very nice of him to be willing to answer these questions for me, and so I really appreciate his willingness to sit down and tell us more about Anna and um, and about how the concept of Ask Anna came to be. It's, it's so interesting when you interview celebrities, you meet celebrities. I mean, you're you're out there in celebrity land itself. Rubbing elbows with some of my favorite celebs, but I have to say, sometimes you're so surprised about the the actual demeanor of the people because you've built up in your head, oh, they must be like this character. You built up so, a character, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, absolutely. Oh, nothing like that. And for me, like, um, I I I try I try to really keep my composure when I'm meeting people, but like, you oftentimes I'll get an email or a phone call from them or an assistant, and that's when I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I get all excited because they contact me. <laughs> I have that, that, that moment, and then I'm like, okay, pull it together. Now we have to kind of we have to focus on the animal and the work done. And, and also when I first go over the house and I meet them for the first time, and I'm like sweating and nervous, yes. and then I have to calm myself down. So I get I get a lot of moments like that too. But, you know, they're just people like you and I. They just are more high profile and, um, I, I kind of I see some of the people I work with in the media, and they're sometimes the things that are said about them is are totally untrue or just very mean. And so I really have to sympathize with them that they just are trying to have a normal life and normal family and career. And I just want to do my best to support them in my capacity as a servant. I like to see myself as a servant, <laughs> um, uh, just because I just feel like I'm there to help them and do a good job and you know help them get through the day a little bit better and have their pets be happy and healthy. That's very nice. Now, you know, the the last topic for discussion is is something that just, it drove me crazy. TMZ and the Internet uh, showed the picture, but TMZ uh, really focused some time on it. It was a picture mm-hmm. of Sarah Palin's son, uh, Trig. Trig. Uh, standing on a dog on their dog it looked like a black lab can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah that was a big that was man, that was a big deal at the beginning of this year and i still think it's something that will continue for some time so as a new year's post sarah palin posted on her facebook three photos of her son trig stepping up on their family dog jill who is a black labrador retriever um, Trig has Down syndrome, and so he doesn't necessarily understand the rights and the wrongs and, and what he should and shouldn't do. And 
he evidently needs some help getting up to the counter level, and and, uh, and so his up was standing on a dog. And so Palin's post was that mom was too lazy to help him, so he stood on the dog and basically, isn't this cute? Instead of stopping him and telling him, no, we shouldn't stand on the dog, I'm going to take three photos and then share it with the world about how inspirational this is. And then when she got backlash from PETA and everybody else who has common sense and, <laughs> is, interested in, and is interested in promoting animal health and welfare, she then like commented about, at least I didn't eat dog, which was a reference to Obama having eaten dog as a child when his, his parents fed him dog when he lived in Indonesia. So like, you're a child, you may not be as responsible as your actions as when you're an adult, Yet, when we are adults, we have to be responsible in what we do, and especially somebody like Sarah Palin, who is a, is a big example for a lot of people in, in the world, she really should think about the effect of what she does. And unfortunately, that shows that not only is she just not a responsible person, but she's not really thinking about the best welfare of her dog, because unfortunately, even though the, the dog Jill doesn't look like she's suffering, what if Trig was to like step on her heart or shift, and he could potentially push a vertebra out of place. He could yeah. rupture a disc. He could inflame a, a joint. Kid. He yeah, wasn't like yeah, a little could, tiny newborn. Yeah, he could make Jill upset and Jill could turn and bite him. Um, there's a myriad of things that could happen. So it just was a really irresponsible choice. And um, unfortunately, you know, gives a lot of us fodder to, to talk about the health aspects of it. But it, I, I'm frustrated to see things like that because obviously I don't want Jill to get hurt and she doesn't look like she is being hurt. But <laughs> what is now and what could be are two totally different things. And with a, a wrong move, she could really be suffering. And then Miss Palin would be looking back and saying, if only I didn't allow this to happen and I could have used this opportunity to teach Trig, no, we don't step on Jill, we get a step stool instead and then get up. You know what I want to say. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm exactly. Gonna doctor, I, I'm going to wait for the doctor to off, and then I'm going to say it because I don't want anything reflected so back to him. So politically correct the way you frame that, doctor. Yeah. And really, really well said and politically yeah. correct. The right way. <laughs> I always want to be constructive with this, you know. Just, I don't want to call her out and and, and deride oh, her for. I want to like make it. Let's all learn from this and let's not do this in yeah. the future. So. Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, Doctor, are you headed out this way for uh, Westminster, or are you, you going to uh, come out to the East Coast at all? I unfortunately cannot attend uh, Westminster this year. I've got a, a, an obligation where um, a, a husband and wife couple of mine, client of mine, husband and wife couple, client of mine are traveling for their work. And so myself and Phil and Carter are going to house and dog and cat sit for three months in Santa Monica. Um, it's kind of just look out for things. So I'm going to have some responsibilities that will keep me from coming to Westminster, unfortunately, this year. Uh, just can't make it all work. Uh, but I will be coming to Blog Pause in in May in Tennessee, so hopefully I'll see you there, and um, that'll be my next chance. Hopefully the timing will work out. I don't know if it's going to work out for us this year. We're we're uh, like you. It's like you don't have enough time in the day sometimes, and yes. we're we're in the middle of some major changes. So I don't know if that's going to work out for us this year, but we're keeping our paws crossed that it will. 
Um, awesome. We were. It's always good to to uh, to try to get to see you when we can, Doctor. It's been a couple years, unfortunately, but at least we have the pleasure of speaking with you on the radio, which we love so much. Absolutely, I know. I wish I had more free time just to take a leisurely trip. And actually, my parents just moved from Massachusetts to Florida, so I won't be going to the northeast part of the country very often anymore. I'll be going to central western Florida to see them every every couple months or twice a year. We'll see. Well, good. Then then you can swing by and visit us because that's where we're at. <laughs> Are you? Is that is that yeah. part of your plan is to retire yeah. to where it's a little more balmy? Yeah, you know, the house should be done right around the time of blog pause, right a little bit before, a little after. And so, where will you guys be moving? R- right around that area, it's going to be west the west coast. central west coast. So, of Florida, um, of Florida, yes. yes. Oh my God, yeah, we will absolutely have to meet up. So my parents are going to, my parents are in Naples now. So, yeah, okay. uh, oh, oh yeah, right next no door. <laughs> oh, cool. That's amazing. Well, let's do sometime when I come visit. We'll do some. We'll do like a, oh, a live show or a video or something. That'd be great. That sounds very cool. Oh, the universe is drawing us together in Florida. I know, and you know what? We yeah, does part does part of travel with you when you go to visit? Of course. Yeah. Oh, part of is a very season. He's a seasoned traveler. That is fantastic. Well, we're still looking forward to it. So we'll keep in touch, Dr. Pat. You have a great night. And thank you, as always, for joining us. Likewise. Thanks for having thank me uh, weigh in on, um, on my perspective on pet health care. Definitely. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. So now. let's. Now. What? Can I stand on yeah. what this meant? <laughs> it's Palin and Trig. Is yeah, the, let me stand on Trig. Is the, but he yeah. has Down syndrome. So you have to blame Sarah. Well, let me stand on Palin's head then. You have to blame her because yeah. she's You're saying right. she's too lazy to get a step stool. Right. You have to teach that kid. I you mean, do. regardless There's of... a little bit more work, but, you know, uh, let's yeah. go to break. Yeah. We'll do that. You're back with pets teaches so much. Okay, we need to talk about loose leash walking. This is an article that posted today by Colleen Demling. She's a dog trainer. Now, pet peeve doesn't it bug you when you see somebody's dog dragging them down the street? They're supposed to be taking the dog for a walk, and the dog is dragging them down. Like our neighbor. Like our neighbor. Exactly. <clears throat> Well, here are a couple tips to train your dog. Learning how to walk properly on a leash will not only help teach your dog good manners, but it'll save your back and arms, too. What you need to get started in the equipment department. Make sure that any dog that weighs less than 30 pounds or... Is the equipment department between the ears, too? <laughs> Some people will never have the right equipment, oh, honey. <laughs> just, just wanted to make sure I yeah. got the article right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, any dog that weighs less than 30 pounds or puppies that are under five months of age should wear a harness, preferably a no-pull harness when they mm. walk, because small dogs can injure their necks if yeah. they pull excessively on a collar. Young puppies are excited to explore their new world, so they run back and forth on a leash, 
and suddenly pull in a direction or stop quickly to smell something, and if they're on a regular collar, these sudden movements could accidentally hurt their growing neck. All other dogs can use regular or training collars, but make sure you consult with a professional trainer before putting your dog on a prong collar. Or your veterinarian. Yeah, absolutely. I would check with my veterinarian before my trainer. Okay, that's just, your just, opinion. No, no, I, I like what she a, wrote yeah. there. Yeah. No, in addition to, I don't yeah. want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm crapping on her, uh, her article here. That's not the case. It's just that the trainer thing just set off uh, a couple of red flags for what happened with our friend. Yeah, we had a friend that had a bad situation. I knew that yeah. was what you were thinking and it of. Just, just really annoys me because the poor dog could have died. Because, well, here's, here's the thing. If you don't like the answer you get from one trainer, go to another one until you find one you're comfortable with. Right. And that, that will help that situation. Usually that inside feeling that you have that something's not right is yeah, right. that's true. So set your dog up for success. Learning how to walk on a loose <clears throat> leash is very difficult for dogs since they often are so stimulated by other things in their environment that they see, hear, and smell. As a result, when you're first teaching this skill, make sure you set your dog up for success by having him learn in a quiet environment first. For example, walk in the middle of the driveway and practice your skills before you walk on the grass. Or make sure your pup is capable of behaving in a quiet environment before you take him into a pet store. Always have treats with you and heavily praise any small improvements when you begin to teach his behavior. This will make the learning process easier on your pup and keep him engaged in the training. Finally, pulling on the leash should never be allowed. If you're working on a loose leash walking, and then you let the dog pull so he can sniff his favorite tree. You've just undone all of the hard work. Instead, take him to his favorite tree while he's walking on a loose leash. So here's what you do. Put the, she said, stick with me, kid. Put the dog on your left side. Place several treats in your hand, in your left hand, and show it to your dog. Then close your fist, but keep your hand by your dog's nose. Take two or three steps, and if the dog stays with you on a loose leash, praise him and give him a treat. Take another two or three steps and treat again. If at any time the dog pulls, tell him no and get him interested in the treats again, and then move forward. Hmm. As he starts to get better, increase the amount of steps you take before you give him a treat. Now, if he pulls, then stop. Start out walking with your dog, and as long as he's on a loose leash, praise him lavishly and occasionally give him a treat. The moment he pulls, tell him no and stop walking. As long as there is any pressure on the leash, don't move. Once the dog comes toward you and loosens the leash, tell him good boy and start walking again. The dog will learn that if he pulls, you stop moving. This will encourage him to stay with you at all times. Now, this is the about face part. Start out with start out walking with your dog, and as long as he's on the loose leash, praise him lavishly and occasionally give him a treat. But remember that being next to you should be the best place in the world for your dog. If your dog pulls, let's say, towards his favorite potty bush, say no and immediately make an about face and walk a few steps to the opposite direction. Then turn back towards the bush and start walking again. If your dog stays with you, Praise him if he pulls again about face. Walking away when your dog pulls sends a clearer message. If you see something you like, we'll get closer if you're walking on a loose leash. If you pull, then you're going to get further from your goal. 
was really great information. By Colleen Demling. I like that. CPDT. She owns Pawtopia.com, one of the most successful training companies in San Diego. Cool. Thank you, Colleen. Great advice. So, now it's time for Drew's favorite segment. Do, do, do. Before we get to celebrity pet gossip, <laughs> we need to talk about gators. Gators. What's eight feet long and lives in a Southern California backyard? A pet gator family is kept for about 40 years, animal control officials told the LA Times. The reptile was discovered Monday in a camouflage crate in the backyard of a home in the San Fernando Valley community of Van Nuys. Two cat carcasses were found inside. Officers searched the property in August after a neighbor reported seeing the gator but found nothing. They said they believed the gator was relocated temporarily. <laughs> Sneaky. The gator was taken to the L.A. Zoo and is being examined. The owners face possible prosecution for keeping wildlife without a permit. So how did you pick up the gator and relocate him? I guess you just... Very carefully... And- Room in the family car and took him to grandma's. Don't they have those? Aren't those little go karts called gators? Yeah. <laughs> they use the gator for the gator. But how the heck did you do that for forty years? What do you do with the gator poop? Like, does nobody smell gator poop? I don't know what gator poop smells like, but I guess. And where does he? Does he not swim around? Yeah. Where does That's he go? So cruel. It's just well, yeah. But if the gators, I don't know, honey. I just. I'm not even going to waste any more of my gray matter that I need to keep for what little <laughs> gray matter I have. I need so to. I'm not going to burn any more gray I matter cells gray out matter. trying to. Oh, okay. Here's a, a very interesting story I want to touch on quickly. Ebola clue lurks in Zambian bats. You know, they, they isolated Ebola to ground zero to a tree where these fruit bats lived that these kids were going and playing around. But now they're finding... Um, with these, uh, well, let me read the story because it's really interesting. Researchers, including scientists from Japan's Hokkaido University, did a study that found high prevalence of Ebola antibodies in the straw-colored fruit bats that undertake the world's second-largest mammal migration from the Democratic Republic of Congo Congo, to roost in Zambia. And this is... um, now being studied, that they have this huge migration. So the bats migrate each year into the evergreen fig mark, evergreen marsh fig forest. You say that ten times fast. Yeah. So what happens is you get a thousand bats packed into eleven square feet. There's so many bats, and they just jam all together. They um, when when they're all mushed together, it protects them from raptors to eat them. So they're saying that um, they found this particular type of bat release these Ebola antibodies and that they might be able to find a cure. cure, But they're saying viruses, not only Ebola, but there's another virus called Lassa um, that they're kind of related. So they're going to try to see if they can get an antibody off these bats. Kind of interesting. Fig forest. They might find me hanging around there. (laughs) I love my figgies. (laughs) 
a lot of poop there, though. Yeah. Bass and Ebola. I'll oh, forget it. Call the disco. Have a good noon. Don't worry about any bat poop. <laughs> now, if you guys didn't see this video of a frisky bull elephant who took out his seasonal frustration <laughs> on a car in a Thai wildlife sanctuary by stomping over the vehicle and ripping off the hood with his tusk before trying to sit on it. I've wanted to do that a few times. So he said the young couple inside the badly damaged car luckily escaped. But if you look at the video, everybody's out of their cars, all right? I don't understand. There's a couple riding a scooter. Who's going to ride a scooter? The last place I'd be driving yeah. or out of my car, Yeah. if the elephant is going wilding on somebody's car, Yeah. I'm going in the other direction. And the car that the elephant sat on, they could have backed up. It just you could have backed up and avoided the whole thing. And there's people standing around, lolly looling. Yeah. Oh, look at that elephant. You're on a scooter. Have you thought about that? You're a little vulnerable. Oh. Just saying. In another incident at the park, a 30-year-old elephant wreaked havoc on a raid on a restaurant. Apparently, he was unable to resist the aroma of cooking food. Pancakes? I love pancakes. Peanut butter pancakes. <laughs> you just mm. peanut butter and jelly. I love peanut butter pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We've been talking about this a lot. About... Uh, dogs as meat in South Korea. 23 dogs from South Korea were rescued and shipped to Alexandria, Virginia, and then distributed to five other shelters. So they, at least they oh, were able to God. save some of these dogs, and there is increased awareness. Uh, I'm so happy that we're hearing more stories like this because years ago there was the Dog Meat Festival, and that, you know, they're slowly shutting down these things that are very, very cruel here. We consider very cruel here in the United States. <sighs> Skip to the next story, Him. The children who live with reptiles are at an increased risk for disease. Interesting. This out of Paris, France. Owning exotic reptiles such as snakes, chameleons, iguanas, and geckos could place an infant at risk of salmonella infection, according to a British study. Researchers in the southwest English country of Cornwall found that out of 175 cases of sow in children under five over a three-year period, 27% occurred in homes which had reptile pets. It's pretty high. Salmonella is a germ that in humans can cause gastroenteritis, colitis, blood infections, and meningitis. Reptiles, however, well, hold are, on. It colonizes in their gut and is passed on their stools. So the kids that come in contact with the reptile stools. And not washing their their hands. Not washing their hands or, or, or doing a Philomena. Eating it. Because <laughs> oh, that's what her dog Philomena does. She eats chachala's poop. And sometimes her own. It's so oh, gross. God, it's the grossest. <sighs> Absolutely and when you catch her, like, we always try to make sure that it's not available for snacks. So you got to go out with her, and you got to watch her, and, and, you know, or as soon as she's done doing her business, let's go, in the house. Yeah. And it's pick just... it up, and that's it. Anyway, so, if you're handling reptiles, but, you know, it could be just on the reptile skin. 
Like and, they could have. And when we try to police it, you know, if it's you're still talking. if it's wet, no, if it's wet, she always does it when it's raining or something. Yeah. She knows when we have our 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 scoop of poop with us, she won't, you know. Yeah. Oh, no. Even then she'll turn around and try to grab one. <laughs> it's like Carvel as it's coming out of the 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 cone filler upper, she tries to grab it. Huh? I don't even know how she can bend herself into a U like that. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Anyway. We need to do, uh, we're going to start to do breed segments and okay. give people information about dogs and cats. So the highlighted breed for today is the American Bulldog. Physical characteristics. Mac. Mac shocks. Mac yeah. Shocks. Well, the, I think that's an English Bulldog, huh? No, it's Mac. It's a Bulldog, not a Mac. Okay. Regular Bulldog. American, American bulldog. bulldog. It's very sturdy. Has a, Yeah, you're right. Muscular build. Sorry. Yeah. Weighing... Like I should know. Uh, weighing anywhere from 60 to 120 pounds, a height of 20 to 28 inches. The breed is a large head with strong jaws and ears that may be cropped, semi-prick, uh, rows, or drop. So those are the different styles of ears. The coat is short and soft, coming in variation of colors, although solid black, blue, merle, tricolor is undesirable. Personality and temperament, although a larger breed, the American Bulldog is very gentle and a loving breed that loves children. American Bulldog is brave and protective and best when trained at a young age. For care, the short, fine coat requires little grooming, and the American Bulldog will do okay as an apartment pet as long as he gets sufficient exercise outdoors. They generally live 10 to 16 years, which is considered a healthy breed. Some genetic issues common to the breed include uh, a whole bunch of stuff I can't pronounce. And disorders of the kidney and thyroid, ACL, tears, hip, and elbow dysplasia, cherry eye, uh, and bone cancer. History and background, the older version of the bulldog originated in England and was used as a work dog catching cattle and guarding property until it became the breed of choice in a brutal... What dog is on that truck? The American Bulldog, right there. I can't see it. You're too close to my face. American um, Bulldog, right there. That teeny tiny thing is yeah, an, American an American Bulldog. bulldog. Yes. All right. That's a big thing when it's on a big truck. Thank you, Joseph. Okay. Uh, used to work dog, uh, uh, be a working dog catching cattle, guarding property until it became the breed of choice in a brutal sport known as bull baiting. By the end of World War II, the breed was almost extinct. However, a few devotee breeders decided to revive the American Bulldog. Two different lines of Bulldogs appeared during this growth period. However, most of today's American Bulldogs are crossed between the two. The American Bulldog was recognized by the United Kennel Club in 1999. That's your breed for tonight. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. We will catch you next week. Um, if you have any questions, like Joe said, just email. And uh, we love you guys. Thanks for your support. Thank you. Good nighty.